But first, a little disclaimer. We are prefacing a lot of the appeal of this podcast on the fact that we're prosecutors. However, we need you to understand we are not doing this podcast in our professional capacity as prosecutors. We're doing this as people after hours on our own time with our own equipment. Now, we know a lot about the law by virtue of what we do, uh, but we're also just interested in true crime. So our opinions and commentary in this podcast are not the opinions of our office or our employer. They are not our professional opinions and nothing in this podcast should be construed as legal advice or anything other than three friends blowing off some steam together. So with that in mind, don't try this at home. You know what it is. This is Joe. And Cheryl. And I'm Ray. And this is No True Bill. Oh, hallelujah. Thanks for being here. Part four of Darley Root here. We are wrapping things up today. Cheryl's put a lot into this. Can't wait for it. If you haven't listened to the first three episodes, you're wasting your time here. It won't make any sense. Go listen to that first. But without further ado, Darley Root here. Part four. So here we are. The end of the road. The fourth installment of uh, the Darley Routier case brought to you by Cheryl and her absolute deep dive into this infamous case out of the state of Texas. Um, and we've gotten to the point where we've talked about uh, the really the introduction as to, as to the case uh, and everything in episode one. Uh, and through episodes two and three, we, we've got a good knowledge base of the players involved and the evidence that was adduced at trial. We know that she was convicted, uh, found guilty of moida, and sentenced to die in the state of Texas. And that brings us to this episode, the last, the last final episode on this. So Cheryl... What do we need to know after the trial? So, so much craziness happened oh. after the conviction and sentencing came out. I Damn. almost forgot about the phenomenal teaser that Cheryl dropped mm -hmm. at the end of the last episode. Mm -hmm. Now I'm hyped for it again. Yeah. yeah. This is where the case really starts. Mm -hmm. So let's <laughs> talk about the the some of the legal things that are interesting and then we'll talk about the other stuff that's not legal stuff that's interesting it involves mullets uh, yes so and, yeah mullets and honky tonks the first huge thing to come up in the course of the post-conviction proceedings is the trial record now a trial record is the official record of the proceedings kept by the court reporter um for y'all out there, court reporters are present at every hearing, whether the jury is present or not. They're present at every hearing in a case, and their job is to record what everyone says, uh, what everyone does to an extent, and uh, record the exhibits that are presented. Tough job. Yeah. Has to be a tough job. I don't nope. understand how they do it. Nope. Thankless. So I don't understand the clickety clack. I don't understand the one, the mask thing that makes yeah. it look like Bane. Right. I don't understand yeah. any of those. It's it's voodoo. So um, the court reporter in this case, um, her name is uh, Sandra Halsey. And she was not timely in her production of the record when she was ordered to produce it for the appeal. And what you mean by that? Not timely. She took her damn time. The court ordered it to be done by a certain time, and she did not have it prepared by then. Mm. Uh, to the point where the court, uh, I don't know whether they threatened to or did hold her in contempt for not producing the record. Ooh, <clears throat> saucy. Yeah, it was bad. Um, so she does eventually produce a record, but as soon as both counsel look at it, it is incorrect and incomplete. <laughs> um. So they're both very taken aback by this, both yeah. very alarmed. Yeah. It's important uh, to get a transcript right. Yes. So throughout the course of several hearings, they're trying to figure out what happened with the record. Um, they, at one point, take testimony from Miss Halsey, and she indicates that there are no recordings, tape recordings, of the trial and penalty phase because the equipment must not have been working properly. Oh, 
So all she has is her shorthand stuff? She has her notes, discs, and shorthand. But no recording. But no recording. Damn. Now, uh, the court orders... She gotta feel so bad. The court orders three experts to come in and try to help her re-piece together this uh, record. And eventually, at another hearing, it comes out that she does have Uh-oh. recordings of what y'all the doing, trial Texas? and penalty What phases. y'all doing? She okay. just lied? So let me explain to you what I read in a book. This was a book that was done by a reporter who sort of was approached by Darley's family to write a book telling Darley's story. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reporter did a little digging into Miss Halsey and the record and maybe why all of this stuff came about. In doing so, I know she spoke to Stephen Cooper, who is the lead appellate attorney for Darley and some other folks. Um, what she states is that the change of venue was also very difficult for Miss Halsey. Apparently at this time, around this time, Miss Halsey found out her husband who was uh, in some employee at the Judicial Center, was having an affair with another employee of the Judicial Center, such that being away at this trial would Mm -hmm. give them lots of time to be alone together. Mm -hmm. So her marriage is falling apart during this entire thing. Also, we we didn't, I mean, maybe we did, I just forgot. Like, I know you said that they changed the venue, went to the most conservative county county, in, in in the state, but geographically, how far removed was this? Did we say like uh, how many hours away? Apparently far enough away that her husband will play. Right. While she gone. That's what I'm saying. Like, were they in you a know, hotel I, during the pendency of the actual trial? Were they yes. able to commute daily? They were oh. they were staying in hotel accommodation. So she you stayed gone 24 yes. seven. Wow. He was probably like, Jackpot. Yeah. Sounds like <laughs> so, he was probably real hype about this venue change. So in relation to this. Uh, The trial's over. She goes back. Their marriage continues to fall apart. And apparently at some point, as their marriage is dissolved, he begins to move their different items to different storage facilities. Dude took the tapes. The tapes apparently got moved to a storage facility they had in Plano, Texas. Uh, Mm. It's not clear whether or not she knew where the tapes were when she testified there were no tapes, but clearly there were tapes. Um, she eventually gets a lawyer because of her prior testimony that there were no tapes and now coming forward and saying that there are tapes. Sure. Um, she's concerned about potential criminal charges for <laughs> false swearing. So she gets an attorney, pleads the fifth, doesn't testify anymore. It's kind of but an important now, case. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's a, a big, big case. Deal. It's a really big deal. So now they have her notes, discs, uh, shorthand, and they have actual recordings of the proceedings. So we can fix this. So they have a court reporter... Uh, who is certified and agreeable to both the state and the defense, come in to review the entirety of these materials to see if she is able to certify a record. Okay. Um, She is able to certify the record to a point. There's a a 54-page area where she says she's not comfortable in certifying them, only because there was an actual gap in recordings for one date in October that would have been, I believe, it was pre-trial. Mm. So it would have been either a pre-trial proceeding or jury selection. And I'm pretty sure it was jury selection um, where there's not a recording. So it's like half a day. Okay. Um, the court, however, reviews it, has the attorneys review it. And the court is comfortable that that accurately reflects what happened during that period. So although Miss Simmons, who is the professional, okay. uh, doesn't certify those 54 pages, the court is satisfied that the entirety of the record now accurately reflects what the proceedings were. May, may I ask uh, you to explain to the folks why why would the specificity and the, the perfection of a transcript, I mean... Why is that important? Jury already convicted her. She's guilty. She got sentenced to death. Why do we care about verbatim what happened in that trial? Why is it important? It's incredibly important. As someone who's done appeals previously and someone who does all the habeas cases in our uh, county, um, 
the record is the appellate court's way to review that proceedings during the trial were fair and appropriate. All the defendant's rights were preserved um, and that there were no errors in this trial that would cause either her conviction to be uh, vacated or would cause her conviction to be reversed. Well, and, and certain types of errors, correct me if I'm wrong, are waived if you don't uh, object, object in a timely fashion. Right. So knowing whether or not there was a timely objection could be dispositive on whether or not an, a, a certain ground of appeal is, uh, is, is overturned or whatever. Right. Absolutely correct. And one thing that was brought up, and this is one of those uh, pieces of misinformation that's out there on the Internet. It was in the Halsey record. The jury asked a question at one point of the court. And apparently in Texas, unlike here, when the jury asks a question about what a witness said, the court reporter can look that up oh. and read it back to them and read it back to them. Hmm. But before that happens, the procedure like ours is that all the attorneys get to look at the response to make sure it is indeed accurate before it goes back to the jury. So um, in West Virginia, we can't read back someone's testimony. We have to tell the jury uh, our response on that letter is uh, sorry to rely on your own recollection of events or rely on your own recollection of the evidence. Uh, in making your decision. But in Texas, apparently, they have the ability to go back and they will tell them what a witness said if they don't remember. So during the proceedings, they asked a question about Darren's testimony, uh, specifically with regard to whether or not he had locked the utility room door from the utility to the room to the garage, the utility room to the garage. Uh, and the Halsey record did not accurately reflect the answer that was given to the jury. It's problematic. Yes. So the state and the defense clearly remember <clears throat> that they gave the right, correct, and appropriate answer to the jury. Well, and, um, and wouldn't that be like, you know, you're talking about dissimilarities. I mean, here, if we answer a question, it's in writing. The the actual written answer that's correct. tendered to the jury gets entered into the into the record. So correct. there is no question. They didn't do that there. Um, Get it together, Texas. I think that they did. Okay. There is, uh, and granted, I haven't been able to access all the exhibits in the case. Sure. But one of the books I read did have some pictures of some of the exhibits, and there did seem to be a written answer, a written answer to the in jury. one of them. Okay. It wasn't such that I could blow it up and read it, um, but it did indicate that there was a, a written answer, which is also why they knew from their own memory and maybe from these other documents that that was not wow. the actual answer that was given. Um, so, you know, the misinformation comes in is that people are claiming, oh, my God, they didn't even answer the jury's question. Right. They told him that Darren said something that he didn't say, which is not true. Both the state and the defense say we gave them the correct and accurate answer. It's just the Halsey record gets wrong. it wrong. Mm. Um, when Simmons what a, what a debacle yes so when Simmons who is the professional court reporter who everyone agrees on mm -hmm. um, comes in to see if she can certify this record um, she is of the opinion she said that Halsey's notes discs and everything accurately reflect seem to accurately reflect everything that occurred uh, they have no gaps or there's no evidence that they've been modified in any way she also found that with regard to the tapes that were later produced um, she seems to think that the problems with Halsey's uh, record was that they were very poorly edited by the scopist the the what yeah. yes come again and I I had the same reaction <clears throat> I was like say who now so apparently you it's not unusual for a court reporter. She coming in with notes. Uh, well, she I've got, got receipts. I've got the appeal. She's they the, they uh, define yeah. a scopist uh, in their footnotes. Yeah. Fo which footnote is it, Cheryl? Yeah. Tell uh, me. Footnote, it is number five. Footnote number a five. Transcription, mm -hmm. A transcription scopist assists a court reporter in preparing the trial record. The testimony taken during the proceedings on the record indicated that the use of a scopist is a normal and necessary part of the process of producing a trial record. So from what I gather, a, trans a transcription scopist is basically just trained to take the shorthand of the court reporter and... Okay, so the court reporter writes notes in shorthand, also keeps a disc, 
with typed shorthand. The scopist helps interpret the typed shorthand mm -hmm. of the court reporter. Um, what a job, you know? Woo. I'd, I'd kill myself. Woo. It's a lot of work. Oh, a I'm record sure it is. is a lot of work. Thousands of pages in, in and cases. And it's important work, as we just discussed. Yeah, you're, gotta, you're, gotta it it would right. be difficult. Well, and that was a big contention. We have this We have this whole trial that's hotly contested, that has lots of different issues come up. Somebody's going to die. Right. This is a death case. She, she's been sentenced to death. Yeah. We have all these different issues. We've argued about at trial, pre-trial, and everything else. And now you're telling me we don't even have... A, a record, a clear record, an undisputed record what of what happened. even happened. Right. Mm. Also, and you forgive me if you've already, if you said this yesterday, but for the, um, I mean, obviously we know the outcome now. How long did this trial take? Was this weeks? A couple days? The trial was weeks. Um, the jury deliberation was, I think, Six hours one evening up and through noon the next day. So maybe 10 hours tops. Wow. Um, after weeks, weeks of trial. So so they had their mind pretty well made up. Yeah. Um, and I had to imagine that, I mean, a weeks long trial like that, the, the transcript is probably thousands, maybe even tens of thousands of oh, pages. Oh, absolutely. They, they talk about it in terms of what volumes are certified and not certified. Yeah, because uh, when you're like, oh, well, there was a gap of only 54 pages. It's like, right. Oh, okay, all right. Volume, <laughs> I think it was volume 10 is where the gap of 54 pages is. And that's from October 21st of 1996 during jury selection. So you're already up to 10 volumes In by selection. the time you get to jury selection on October 21st. Yeah. And this trial doesn't start until January. So it's a lot Damn. of record. That is, whew, that's wild. Yeah. Right. So, of course, uh, Darley's appellate attorneys, rightfully so, jump on the fact that how can we even make sure that her rights are preserved if we don't even have an accurate reporting of the record? Um, they still had uh, some objections to the certified record of Simmons and still state that there are a number of uh, errors in it. Well, and I guess you, maybe this is some of an, or somewhat of an academic question, but so say, for example, uh, in this case or in another case, you know, you doing appeals and habeas work, if they can't certify a record because, oh, this lady lost the disc and we don't have confidence in what remains, what it's just happens? a mistrial and you do it all over again? What is the remedy? Well, to be honest, that is kind of an academic question. Um, and one I kind of asked myself, I appreciate that, um, you know, they had several hearings to talk about the record. And when Simmons was giving testimony on what she had done, she explained that she used the process they use for court reporters who are either unavailable or who have passed away. Um, like there was no court reporter available to talk to who was actually there to see if she could to see if if she could certify the record. If she could certify the record. Exactly, to see if she could certify the record. And I mean, she didn't certify 54 pages, but luckily all of the parties who were at trial, including the court, were able to review those and the court was satisfied that those were accurate. She said that the notes from those pages accurately reflect Halsey's notes of what happened, but because she doesn't have a recording of those pages, she wasn't comfortable considering the errors that were in the rest of the Halsey record certifying. And when we talk about so, <clears throat> talking about the errors, like you've mentioned now and that there were numerous errors and, yeah. and all these things, they got a numerical value on this. How, how many errors are we talking about? Well, Darley's attorneys state that there are hundreds of thousands of errors still in it. Hundreds of thousands remain even after this outside party came That in. is their contention, yes. Ooh. Uh, I will tell you that the subject of her first appeal had to do with the record and the appellate court found no issue with the certified record. Oh, hmm. okay. Um, they were very yeah, satisfied yeah. with the process that uh, Ms. Simmons went through. And errors can be anything from uh, serious errors to insignificant errors. Um, that was supposed to be a comma. One of those things. Yeah, well, those kinds of and things. And it's, it's a, it's a, you have a right to a fair trial, not a perfect, perfect. trial. Yeah. Amen. Bro. That is that is true. So I, I can imagine the appellate court sort of hung its hat on that one a little bit. They're like, well, y'all agreed this was a, an appropriate record. It got certified by an outside independent. That everyone agreed on. Reporter yep. slash scopist. Mm -hmm. Yes. And a new new word. Now you don't, know scopist. Don't worry about this semicolon, bruh. Yeah. We're talking about a murder trial. Yeah. 
you know, don't split it. Uh, but yeah, what would happen if they couldn't have certified the record? I would imagine that it's it would be a mistrial. Mistrial, you got to do it all over again? Of course. Which is terrible. Terrible, terrible, terrible. terrible. Um, so, of course, it's 2022 and Darley is still on death row, has not been executed, even though she's been convicted and, and sentenced to death in 1997. Which is surprising. Uh, well, I mean, it's surprising for Texas. Yeah. So um, there are there have been a number of other DNA tests and fingerprint tests that have been requested by the defense that have been done in part. There are some that are still outstanding. Um, there's been a request to do some more DNA testing with advances in that technology, specifically with regard to their ability to pull out uh, Y chromosome testing to identify uh, male contributors. Um there was a big hubbubaloo because there was a finding of a male contributor to one spot on Darley's shirt that could not be identified, but it could not be identified because it was such a short, uh, faint supply in the mixture that it could not be uh, replicated or identified. So it wasn't of standard to be compared to anyone else. Um, there was also another, there was another area on, I think it was also on the shirt that identified a, a male Y chromosome contributor, but Darren's DNA could not be excluded from that. Okay. Um, and I guess just like when you're uh, testing blood at the lab and you take the swabs that we talked about, when you test a shirt, you don't test the entire shirt. You take cuttings from that shirt of different areas that appear to have the most uh, usable blood saturation or evidence, and you mm. test those cuttings for... Biological materials? Yes, for the, the biological materials on those cuttings. Um, so they are still undergoing some DNA testing, but so far there's been nothing that has been uh, exculpatory for Darley. Took a, now, took a DNA test, found out right. she's still <laughs> real guilty. guilty. Indeed. <laughs> yes. So now some of the interesting things. Yeah. Hit me with the interesting. I mean, that the, the happened. Happened. that's pretty crazy. Right. The, the legal stuff, as far as the record, that's pretty crazy. But the other stuff, the Mari Povich stuff that I'm talking about, this uh, wasn't on Mari Povich, but it is suitable uh, material for Mari Povich. Channels the spirit. Yeah. Indeed. So we <laughs> look, find out. Look at out, this picture of old girl. I just, I can't. I yeah. can't. Look at, look at that face. Right, can you what see is that? She, no, well, she's really. obviously in mid-speech there. Yeah, it's just, I, I, I can't. Who is that? That's, that's our girl. That's Darlie now. Oh, really? Yeah. That's Darlie circa 2020, maybe? Well, her neck looks a lot better. I, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? It has healed over the years. <laughs> I just. So. Yeah, that's that's not a good look. This, so. Who's going to um, post that? There had been a lot of uh, hype from Darley's family that she was never allowed to take a lie detector test. Turns out that is not accurate. Oh, she had a lie detector the test. The family got it wrong again? Damn. She had a lie detector test, and her lie detector test was inconclusive. Um, okay. Lie detector tests, of course, are not admissible in court, so <clears throat> take that uh, how you will. But... Um, her lie detector test was inconclusive. I will point out in fairness that in a lot of cases where you're doing a lie detector test for a parent whose children have passed, um, I, I read that uh, issues with that are that parents may feel guilty about their children having been right. killed by virtue of the fact that they didn't protect them. You have a legal, by virtue, and, right. Right, legal and moral obligation, obligation to, to take care them. and protect them. Yeah, that's tough. Um, and, and I mean, for people not so familiar, not admissible because they've been deemed not sufficiently reliable. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Um, uh, as one investigator uh, I saw puts it with regard to lie detector tests, do I trust lie detector tests? Mm, no. I trust the pre-interview yeah. and I trust the, the post-interview. Post yeah. um, That's where you're going to break. Yeah. Yeah. So other things that came out, Darlie was forthcoming with people after her trial that not only had she and Darren been fighting, but Darlie had actually gone so far as to ask Aaron, Darren for a divorce. <gasps> yes. So they definitely were having a lot of marital problems during this time. But she's not pointing the finger. No, not pointing the finger. And he's not pointing the finger. Nope. Nope. So 
There was a book that came out shortly after the trial by an author named Barbara Davis. Barbara Davis attended the trial. She interviewed a lot of collaterals that weren't even witnesses in the trial, but friends, uh, acquaintances, family members in some instances that were of Darley and uh, put Ma- together this book. What what angle is her book coming from? Is she trying to be neutral or does she have well, a stated? her book is firmly in the camp that Darley absolutely is guilty and the state got it right. The reason I mention her book is because after she writes the book and publishes it, she says that she's contacted by someone at the prosecutor's office. She goes in and she is shown pictures that she and the jury had never seen before that convinced her that Darley was innocent. In the in the. The prosecutor's office. Yes, that is what she says. Did they? So she says, my independent investigation says, oh, girl, done did it. Yes, no then, question. Then she gets a call from the prosecutor that says, let me show you a little someone something. Someone in the prosecutor's office. Let me show, okay, a, someone in the prosecutor's office. Let me show you a little something might change your mind about old Darley. Right, but let me tell you what she was shown. Yes, please. She was shown the pictures of Darley's injuries. Those were absolutely introduced at trial. There is no question. Darley's trial attorneys, the state's trial attorneys, all state. And I read the transcripts. They're they're interacting with the doctors, showing pictures of her injuries, asking the doctors to describe them and asking them, what does right here? What does this depict? So obviously they're using the pictures as an exhibit. Um, So no one... Well, I won't say no one. I certainly don't understand how she can assert that these were never shown to the jury when it's clear from both the record and the statements of both counsel, not just the prosecutors, but of Darley's counsel, that they absolutely, the jury was absolutely shown all of these pictures of Darley's injuries. Sounds like she's an idiot. Uh, Well, let me also uh, say this. A juror later came forward after Miss Davis came forward. You would have known this if you had watched the Unsolved Unsolved Mysteries Mysteries segment. Mm. And indicated uh, that he also had never seen the pictures of Darley's injuries. He was sleeping in the trial, I guess. Apparently. But if you listen to the interviews with him, he pretty much says he was leaning towards she wasn't guilty the whole time and felt pressured by the other jurors to say that she was. And now if he could go back and do it again, he would have still held out. He would have mistrialed it. Yes. That's cool, bro. Cool story. Yeah. Uh, But but Davis, though. Right. Real quick. Davis writes a book. Yes. This says... This did she not did it. No, no. Wright's book says she oh, right. did but it I mean, and why. The, this, uh, the admission of these photographs did not happen in when clearly they it did. Well, but I mean, after right. publication of the book right. is when she comes in and now she's changed her mind. She has done a, she has pivoted and done a 180 and says, nah, oh, girl's innocent. And then she goes on a whole book tour about how she's changed her mind and it brought her a lot of media attention. That's not convenient. It was a real plus for book sales. I bet it was. Uh, But she never retracted any of the content in her book at first. So I tried to read this book and I could not access it anywhere except on used sales sites. So I assume eventually she did actually take it off the shelves. However. Maybe just got censored by Facebook. That's all I'm saying. Metaverse. However, uh, there are some excerpts from the book that uh, I was able to access where she's naming people she talked to and talking about the things that they said about Darlene and and Darren leading up to and following the murders. Um, uh, One family member states that Darlie had become a screaming tyrant who ordered the kids to stay the hell out of the house. She was always yelling stuff like, get your asses out of here or get your ass downstairs. She ordered little Devin around so bad and just beat him down. It was in my opinion, emotional abuse of that child. Uh, Another person stated that Darlie was content as long as the boys were gone. She didn't care anymore where those boys were as long as they weren't around her. Uh, Family and friends also witnessed screaming matches between Darren and Darlie on an increasingly frequent basis. Darren grew furious with Darlie about her weight. Oh, yeah. This is one of those anecdotes. One day he arrived home from early from work when unknown to him, uh, the neighbor who was the nurse from across the street. Yeah. 
uh, had the baby in the living room changing his diaper. Darlie was in the family room and Darren started screaming at her, you're just a fat pig. He warned his wife in no uncertain terms that she would either lose the weight in a month or he would find somebody else. The neighbor came in calmly and looked at Darren and said, well, hello, Darren. The embarrassed husband immediately dropped the subject. She um, is tiny. Yeah. She's she's a a very attractive young lady. In a trashy way. I mean, she's got that thing about her. So <laughs> Lord. On I just I but like I don't on know. On the fifth of I June, don't... one of their neighbors stepped out to get the mail and heard Darley yelling at Devin and Damon that she'd had enough of their bullshit and they were gonna be in major fucking trouble when their father got home. That same day when Darren got home, he called in to pick up a VCR from a VC. Well, he picked up the portable phone to call the VCR repair shop where he dropped a unit off earlier that day. Uh, so 90s. The employee answered. Yeah, right. And just as the recorded message started playing, the conversation continued to record. Darren explained what he needed to be fixed. And in the recording, you could hear Darley in the background yelling at the kids and Darren. Uh, fuck this and fuck that kind of thing. But there, there's just no credibility to any of this to me. Like, I would like to believe that any of this is accurate, but she got wrong that the pictures of the defendant's injuries were admitted at trial. Right. Well, like, I don't, not in the book. She didn't get that, that wrong in the book. So she she put in her published book that the exhibits of Darley's injuries were admitted. Or did she oh, just no, I don't know if that was in the book or not. Okay. Because that's what I just... This woman has no credibility to me. I, I, right. The I, author. All um, these anecdotes. I'm like, right. okay, whatever. Well, I will say that this this one story in here, I heard from another author who also wrote a book at the time. So he must have also interviewed this witness. Um, this witness went with Darley to see what damage had been done to the house, like after the murders, as far as the police taking out carpets mm -hmm. and cutting out pieces of walls and stuff. Um, she anticipated that Darley would be overwrought upon revisiting the scene of the murders. But as the two women entered the living room, Darley shocked her by placing her hands on her hips and angrily declaring, look at this fucking mess. It'll cost a fortune to fix this shit. The lady then put her hands on Darley's shoulders and said, Darley, look me, eye, look me in the eye and tell me you didn't kill the boys. She looked her in the eye and said, I'm going to get new carpet, new drapes and fix this room all up. Uh, that I've seen that quote, well, sort of a quote. I've seen that that statement accredited to this lady by this. She's the second author. Was that admitted at trial? No, hmm. no, that lady did not did not testify at trial. Um, there was also it was also alleged that at the funeral, Darren and Darley and the rest of the family had gathered at Mama Darley's house. Darley proceeded to announce that she and Darren had already made future plans where Darren was going to take Darley to Europe to have the light scar on her throat removed. And while they were there, she was going to conceive the little girl she had always wanted. That's terrifying. Yeah, at, at the funeral. Um, so... Things like that came out after the trial. Everyone couldn't wait to talk about things that they had heard or seen. And not to the police, but of course, right. after someone's convicted, everybody wants to talk about no. what they knew or didn't right. know. Yeah. Oh, uh, no. no one really wants to help out before a trial. Right. Because no. they don't want to get involved like that. No. Swayed no. by any of that. You don't want right. to look at them when you tell them you were listening to them say these things. Right. So now the investigation by the billionaire. I want to talk about this. Mm. Insert so, the money. Yeah. So Darren has an aunt named Sandy. She was the one who got to sit in on the trial because everybody else was a witness. I too have an aunt Sandy. She's so, a sweetheart. I do not. Aunt Sandy sees where this uh, billionaire, let me get his name for you. Brian Pardo. Apparently he's a millionaire who lives in Waco, Texas. And he, uh, I guess as a side project, sort of uh, devotes resources to people who are trying to prove their innocence who were on death row. And he got one person he helped get exonerated. It's a noble, noble call. And Sandy saw this on the news mm -hmm. and she was like, what do I have to lose? So she called him up and she explained Darley's case and he agreed to assign them uh, an investigator and a lawyer to look into Darley's case. And apparently he sat down with them and said, look, what I find out is what I find out. I don't have any stake in this. It is what it is. It is what it is. Mm -hmm. So there were a couple of things 
that his investigators had picked up on. One of which, and I know, Joe, you talked about this with the Unsolved Mysteries thing. Mm -hmm. Um, There had been in Dallas, not in Rowlett, but in Dallas proper, there had been a serial rapist in the area. And he had... um, he had an MO of going into women's houses and using a sock mm-hmm. to keep them quiet. Was his name was it, Matt Foley? Was it was it a uh, <laughs> Mr. Socko? Mr. Socko. Right. Was it a was it like a chloroform sock jump or no, no just no. a sock? Yes. Mr. Sock hands. Yes, Mr. Sock hands, as far as I know. <laughs> um also FYI. This particular rapist, which is why the billionaire and his investigative team discounted this theory. Mm -hmm. This particular rapist had actually targeted at least one woman who had children. And he used the children to get her to comply with the rape. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'll hurt the kids if you don't submit. Right, right. Uh, So he hadn't killed anyone, injured anyone, or hurt the, the children. Um, So they sort of discounted that because this rapist wasn't active in this particular area. Nice try, um, though. And yeah. the M.O., although there was a sock found at Darley scene, That's about the it. M.O. didn't match. Yeah. Mm. Um, but I want to come back to that. Mm. Put a in pin a in that? At the end. Put a pin put, in it? Put a little pin in that. All right. So moving on to the other thing that they discovered. So way after Darley's trial, Mama Darley's husband comes forward and says, oh, BT-dubs. What do you say? Darren had talked to me before the murders about having someone come in and steal some of their stuff so that he could file a false insurance claim mm-hmm. and they can make some money that way. Like that $10,000 in jewelry that was spread across the potentially, counter? Potentially, Um So... Rich people come up with the dumbest ideas well i mean but even okay get rich quick but murder kids no nah, something seems to have gone awry right the so so apparently darren had previously done a similar insurance scheme with a car that he had and he's able to recoup money for a car that was allegedly stolen mm-hmm. um and he set that thing like up. like when my bmw allegedly catches fire on its, <laughs> <Right>. own. <laughs> it's gonna happen just wait you stop mm-hmm. so um and they were scheduled, apparently, the week after the murders to go up to Pennsylvania to visit Darley's family. So there was some, uh, you know, well, maybe if Darren set up these people to come in and burglarize the house, that mm. something went awry and they showed up on the wrong night. And I'm like, and they just murdered two children. That's that, what when I things start saying. to that's go sideways, ridiculous. you start stabbing kids. Right. Yeah. That's not what people do. <laughs> if you're there to take stuff out of a vacant house, first of all, when the TV's on and you see it's not vacant, you're going to run. You, yeah, you don't burglarize You're going to run. You're not going to stab kids in their sleep. Um, <sighs> so stupid. Yeah. So Darren's insurance schemes came out. Um, Darren also, this is my favorite story. So the millionaire is being interviewed by this reporter and he's like, so Darren, uh, I'm, I'm at my house and he's like, my house is a nice house. I have like a gated entrance that's wonder if, locked. Wonder if he's got a fountain too. Probably. Hmm. I have a gated entrance that's locked. Like you can't just come up to my house. Right. One night, I'm at home with my wife, and there's a knock on the door. I go out, and there's Darren just at my door. How you even get to the door, Darren? He admits that he scaled his fence just to come and see him. Now, the other thing the millionaire said, to back up a little bit, was that (laughs) as soon as Darren found out that this investigation was going to go forward, he was Mr. Helpful on the spot. Oh, you don't say. Oh, so helpful. So Darren shows up out of the blue at this guy's house, having scaled his fence and gone through all of his security measures. And the guy's like, I want to say I was not, I didn't feel threatened by Darren. Just thought it was real uncomfortable. Real weird. You know, the mullet is like stealth technology. Super uncomfortable. You can get through. You can get through. So Darren comes in. And he starts to talk to him about Darley and the case and everything. And inevitably, Darren starts going off about how great Darley's breasts were. 
It all comes back to this. He is at the home of a millionaire who has been hired to investigate his wife's conviction. And he's sitting in his living room after having basically broken onto his property, telling him about his wife's fake boobs. But man, you see, like that's an important part of her case. Right. Let's get back at this it. have to do with killing kids, though. But do so, you see them titties, though? So then uh, Darren, it comes uh, somehow it comes up that Darren has a gun with him on him in his waistband good Texas. it is Texas. well fair right point. and again the guy's like he didn't pull it out i didn't feel threatened by darren it's just really weird. weird behavior and then he goes back onto darley's boobs for a while and he's like it was making me and my wife very uncomfortable especially once he started to change the conversation about my wife's boobs and at that <laughs> point i got him out of the house oh my god darren at that point i got him out of the house Darren was trying to make the place trying dude, to get into that bedroom. My point is, this dude is weird. Yeah, I mean, sounds Darley, like it. Darley's gone at this point. I mean, oh, yeah. she's, he's she's lonely, and I, he's like, girl. I mean, I'm just saying, you looking. So, right as part of this investigation, <laughs> you a little stack, you know. What as saying? part you know of this saying? investigation, he seems Darren very picky though about yeah, his agreed. physiques. Darren is given a lie detector test okay. at this point by the millionaire's uh, investigative team. Yes. And Darren fails four questions. Oh, and you know exactly what four questions he failed, don't you? Do you know who did this? <gasps> did you stab Darley? <gasps> Do you know who stabbed Darley? And there was, there was, or did you uh, conspire to commit any crime on this night? You can't say this, but my jaw is on the floor. That's big stuff. Yeah. Those, so, are the, those are the only four questions on which deception was detected. Correct. Oh. Damn. And again, lie detector tests are uh, not admissible because they're well, not it, right, but it, not uh, inherently uh, reliable. But it's interesting that he failed only four questions, and those is. were the four. Yeah. It is. And and question uh, query. You know, this is millionaires' um, uh, uh, lie detector guy, mm -hmm. polygraph guy. Um, do you put it, when it comes to like the reliability of this test, do you put more stock in it because, oh, this probably costs a lot of money, it was paid for? Or would you put more stock in state police guy who does this every Tuesday, reps these out and has, I would have to think that a law enforcement person doing a polygraph is going to have more numbers under their belt than a private guy. Maybe. I well, mean, I mean, honestly, you, a private guy might some be a retired private guys law enforcement. Are, right. I was just about to say yeah. that. Some private well, guys are retired law enforcement. And they might be able to, to afford it. more Gucci equipment, I reckon, than maybe than some most law enforcement. But I, I mean, also, like I'm, the the objective of this guy's money is to clear Darley? No. No. No, his no, objective is to he, find what it, it is, what it is. Right. I'm going to just that's, do my that's investigation. That's what he told Ann Sandy when she came to him. This okay. is what it is. I got no skin in any game. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm just, just trying to see if you what don't I like the happened. results you don't like the results and this is Darren's aunt I'm just gonna pay money to, to well, he's solve not... the world's riddles yeah that's how rich you is just and that's what you do with your time hell. Yeah. I'm just gonna be like well I'm gonna throw this money and figure out who actually done it it was trying yeah. to see if someone on death row is innocent or buy an island <clears throat> and I felt that doing this was more fun I don't know well and maybe it's better for society than buying no an sure it, it, I, I, I jest but if he got one yeah. You, you got one person off a of death row and then it was worth that they shouldn't have been there. Then you good for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Thank you for your service. So bored rich guy. His his investigative team. Um, Better than running for president. After they look through the evidence and it's his investigator, by the way, that I was telling you about earlier. The uh, millionaires investigator uh -huh. who gave me big. Great white buffalo. Vibes. Oh, yeah. Oh, just to to hear his interviews and stuff and uh -huh. how hype he got about the stuff that they were on. Oh, that's great. So um, they basically came to the conclusion, yo, it looks like this happened. Either Darren did this or Darren hired somebody to do this. Because apparently they also found out that while they had taken $5,000 insurance policies out on the two boys, mm -hmm. Darley had a $200,000 insurance policy on her. Much more lucrative 
to take her out. Indeed. But again, why, if you're coming in there to kill people, would you leave Darley alive? And like, why, either way, either way why, if you've killed two children, would you leave while she's getting up and, to come after you and not just finish her off? And if you... Leave no witnesses. All right, answer this question for me, Cheryl, since you've done all this deep diving. Yeah. If Darley didn't do it, if she didn't stab the boys and then stab herself mm -hmm. and slice herself, if... If she stabbed the boys and Darren stabbed her, or if Darren did all of this, if, if Darren's doing it. Why isn't Darley saying that Darren's doing it? Yes. If, if Darren did it, he was going to, I would think he would want to kill Darley to get that money. Yeah. It sounds like the man wanted some money. So he's going to end it with her unless, unless they're in on it together somehow, some weird way. But like, why let her live? And then if, if she knows he's the one that stabbed me. Right. Why are you his ride or die right. when he was about to throw you off the off the train because you put on some LBs after you had a baby? I'm saying. So here's uh. the other thing that the millionaires investigative team does. They go to Darley with all this evidence that they have about Darren. Mm -hmm. And they report that at first Darley is real upset about what they come to her with. And she like can't believe like she is mad and she's taken aback and she's frustrated like to the point where they end their meeting with her because she's got to be taken back into her cell and calm down so the next time they talk to her she doesn't believe darren did anything it's the same way that it was before that meeting and here is my theory this is what i'm building up to here's my theory you, this are we here are we at this what is, cheryl thinks this is what cheryl thinks all right i've i've looked at a lot of these things all right preach so, unfortunately, uh, in our jurisdiction, we've had a number of cases where mothers have killed their children. Indeed. And I see a lot of things that were happening in Darley's life, both that were reported before the conviction and reported after the conviction, that sort of feed into some of the same things that those mothers were experiencing when they got to the point where they broke and did something like Parallels. that. It's kind of tracks with our yes. killer moms here. Right. Okay. Um, so I do see some parallels there. I don't know whether, and I, I tend to believe maybe this was a like murder suicide situation, or at least it started out that way. Maybe she got cold feet. I don't know. But I think at some point, Darren finds out what's going on downstairs, either because he hears something or whatever. And he comes down and what's been done to the boys has been done. And Darley is standing there and maybe she's already maybe cut herself once. And, you know, he's trying to figure out what to do and how to help. And I think maybe that's what happens with the sock. Cause you know, maybe Darren has heard news reports about this rapist and he gets a sock dab, dab in the blood here, Darley put this in your mouth. He runs it out, throws it down, comes back in. Like the sock still is a complete a mystery to right. me. Um, it's hard to account for. It is hard to account for, but I think the sock to me, since it comes from inside the house, again, there's no evidence that doesn't come from inside this house. I feel yeah. like that might've been a Darren panic move. Um, when he's trying to figure out how he can save his family at this point. Um, I think Darley wasn't helping to resuscitate the boys because she knew what she had done. I think Darren helped her cover it up because he loves Darley. It's clear that he loves Darley. Parts of her. All right. Well, <laughs> and they still have another kid that's upstairs and they got to look out for him and he's doing what he can to make this better because he knows Darley isn't well. And I think they they get in this thing together and they they improvise. And I think the only explanation for why if Darley really is innocent, she can't identify anybody else. I don't believe it was anyone outside this house because of the screen knife. Mm -hmm. Once you hear the knife that cut that screen comes from inside the house, there is no explanation for an outside intruder. Mm -hmm. There is none. Because like Ray said, you're not going to come in the house in some way and then cut the screen and then put the knife back and right. then go like you're not going to put the knife back right. if, even if you come in the house a different way from the window you're not going to take a knife to cut the screen and then run the knife back in the, the kitchen and, and put, put it, it back it in, in the, the block, block before right. you book out the window you're not going to do that someone inside the house did this i think it was darley and i think darren knew knows what happened and i think he helped on the cover up make people believe it wasn't darley 
And I think the only reason Darlie hasn't spoken up and Darren hasn't spoken up is because she knows if she does talk about Darren's part in it, then Drake has no parents. And Darren, as much as he would like to help Darlie, knows that he can't help Darlie by saying his part in it. Right. Because Drake will have no parents. Well, and that that ship sailed. If you were going to go with some kind of mental mental defense, diminished capacity, mental health defense, you would have that ship sailed. Right. You can't. Right. mm. Uh, Like that's to me, that's the most that's my educated guess Mm -hmm. on potentially what happened here. But I I don't see I don't see evidence. I don't see evidence of the outside intruder. Okay. Uh, any more than the police who investigated did. Oh. And I would also say that um, Dallas County, because they had had so many death penalty cases, um, they created a conviction integrity unit for the specific purpose of going back and reviewing all of these cases for which they got death penalty sentences. And Darley's was one of those cases they reviewed and they did not find fault to disturb her conviction. Um, nor should they based on what you've told me. <laughs> right. So I, there's definitely a lot of, of crazy and weird things that have happened during the course of this case. Um, I, I, I think people in the house did this. I think Darlie is primarily responsible for the death of the children. And I think Darren knows about it. I think he knows what happened. Um, I'll also say that it, it does mean something to me. Also leaning into my belief that, you know, Darlie's the one who stabbed the boys and, and not Darren, although he knows what happens. Um, when the police arrived, Darren was clearly panicking and he was also helping to resuscitate the boys. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. Plus, and again, we talked about the silly string video. It's dumb. It doesn't mean anything to me with her with regard to her guilt or innocence. Yeah. I noticed it but, was not something that you cited as a reason why you think she did. No, because yeah. yeah. I, I don't think that means anything. But I will tell yeah. you that if you watch Darren while the silly string and party of it, party part of it is happening, he's very solemn and looking down and he looks like he's he's sad. He's grieving. He's yeah. grieving. Um so I I tend to think that while I think Darren was involved somehow, I don't think he killed the kids. Not on the I, front end. You think right. maybe he came in mid-murder or immediately after right. when the damage was done and just tried to salvage something of his family. Yes. Mm. Yes. Has she ever, to your knowledge, been, um, you know, had the, the, the super duper mental eval, you know, Going through, right? There was that other broad in Texas, I believe it was Texas, that drowned all of her kids. Remember that? Because that witness came and testified up here. I smoked him. Mm-hmm. The uh, the shrink. Um, like, the, has she ever had like a full workup like that for, um, to your knowledge? She had a psychologist who testified for her at her trial to talk about the traumatic amnesia oh, okay. that she was alleged to have experienced. Um, but as far as a diminished capacity, that right, I, right. no. Diminished capacity, no. unable to... But of course, you know, I don't know everything that her defense attorneys did and maybe didn't use or didn't disclose. They don't have to disclose stuff to us that they're not going to or stuff to the state that they're not going to use. Doesn't mean they didn't get it done or didn't report. Right. Um, Usually my opinion is if they had it and it was beneficial to her, they would have disclosed it. Then we'd have heard about it. Yeah. Also, am I on an island um, when it comes particularly to cases of this nature? You know, we talked sort of at the outset about how juries like motives and so forth, even though it's not an element of the crime. Am I on an island when I say that when it comes to crimes of this nature, this this degree of of heinousness, that I do not care why you did it? I don't care. Not one bit. Not one bit. Why? I think the thing about cases like this where you're talking about the death of two children, especially the mother having killed two children, there's never going to be a satisfactory why. Right. There's I, never going to be a reason that's good enough. Right. I don't that care. Is produced. You did it. And that's the end of the story. Right. And, and, and like I think we said on an earlier episode, sometimes you just don't know why. Sometimes right. people just do things without explanation mm-hmm. from whatever maybe mental okay. illness or uh, mental or emotional reason that they're feeling at that moment. They, they do something that maybe yeah. they can't even explain a why yeah. for. I mean, the, the the last murder I had, we still don't know why it happened. 
Right. But I don't care because we know it did. Mm-hmm. We know, we know he, you did it. Yeah, we know he done did it. And that's all that matters to me. I, <laughs> I just don't care. Ray, Ray, he's not digging deep into the psyche of the, no, the criminal mind. The, I'm not digging deep into the psyche of the mom murderer. No, yeah. I don't care why she did it. Why she killed her children. Does not. I don't give a damn why she did it. She uh, did it. Not one single damn. <laughs> nope, not one. Yeah. I, you know, I just, I, I like to... I like to understand things or, under, right. you know, it, it makes you feel better yes. at night if you understand why, why things this happened, happen. whether whether I mean, it's like you said, it's never going to justify. And most of the crimes that we prosecute. Right. It's not a lawful justification to shoot somebody or to whatever it is that you do. But you you look through and you go, oh, I, I see you. I see why. I see why you should, why you did this. You know, um, you, you committed a crime. You're going to have to face the consequence for it. But. I get it. Like, I see I see what happened. I can understand what happened. Mm-hmm. Random, you know, stuff like this. Sometimes I just think you, you scratch your head because you don't you're not going to really get to the bottom of it. You know, I, I know why this guy burglarized his house. Well, because mm-hmm. he's a dope fiend right. and he wanted money. Oh, OK, cool. That's why he did it. It's unfortunate. But right. we at least when, when you're when there's really no no motive at all that you can grasp. It's yeah. just I, eh, yeah. makes me it frustrates me a little bit. Well, I agree with that. But when it's when it's something like this, like I said, this magnitude, you kill your kids. I don't I don't really put much stock. I don't I don't waste much time thinking. It's like not said, gonna, there's not going to be an it's answer. It's not going to pump the brakes on the just, justice train. You know what I mean? Nah, I'm just I don't care. You did it. That's all. That's all I, all I care about. Well, Cheryl, what yeah. a way. Talk about what a way to start it off. A lot of effort. Going to make us look so bad. Yeah. It's good. You, you I hope to pick a case that doesn't involve the death of children next time. That'd be good. Yeah. For all involved. <laughs> for all involved. I mean, I mean it's unfortunate. Important it's stories good, need yeah. told, though. You know, right? Yeah. I agree. And like I said, what struck me about this case uh, was the level of misinformation that yeah, is yeah. out there That's about remarkable. it. That's remarkable. Yeah. Um, and it makes me wonder, like, is in it other though, cases, is how, it remarkable? how commonplace is it? You know what I mean? Like, say for this, this one woman, right, that you referenced, you pick up a book. You buy it at a bookstore. Some publisher decided to put it on a shelf. You got to assume there's some degree of review, and you would like to believe that okay, this is a credible source. I can put some some value in what's what's put on the pages here. And lo and behold, perhaps that's not true. Yeah. Mm. Trust no one. But I also appreciate that you picked this story because it irritates me greatly, based <laughs> on everything that you've said, that people actually think this woman didn't do it. Yeah. Large groups of people, oh, right? Yeah. I mean, very large and vocal groups of people. They're loud. Who are filled with misinformation because their Where have sources. Where we seen that before? Loud people of, who are misinformed. I feel that like never, because that never happens. I feel like it's been a theme. Largely because their source of information is emotionally tied to the crime yeah. and vocal did dummies. not see the actual trial. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's unfortunate. I just that that's that's very annoying to me when there's. Like you said, I mean, obviously there's some dispute as to its accuracy, but an outside source was deemed to have put together an adequate, accurate enough transcript. We know what happened based on that. She's guilty. Yeah, she's real guilty. Can we all agree on that? Guilty. As a matter of of law. I I believe that she is. If I were on the jury, beyond a reasonable doubt, the sock does bother me. It's weird. It's weird. This one piece of evidence that's weird does not, in my mind, overcome the overwhelming amount of other evidence that that indicates that she did this. And I I don't know enough detail about the sock. Like, is this a saturated in blood kind of sock? No, no, no. You said it was just like a little speck of it. One spot that was a mixture, which is why it struck as like a panic move. Like Mm -hmm. maybe Darren had heard about the rapist and he walked over, got a sock, dabbed it in the blood, put it in Darlie's mouth, ran out down the aisle. And that's why he asked about her panties when uh the, the police showed up that's true he does uh, ask about the panties i have no idea but that's i weird. don't know either i, I mean the, i i'm the i have no idea if if my thing is you know and i feel like you know it's sort of a i'm sure a lot of defense attorneys would would cringe at this but like i feel like in most situations when it comes to cases like this it's sort of occam's razor right like the easiest solution is probably the real one yeah. if it wasn't them then who who done it? The boogeyman who just ran in in the middle of the night and decided to murk the kids first, leave her relatively, I mean, comparatively unscathed. Sure didn't stab her in the trunk like no. he did on the boys. Left right. dad. Well, and to- if you've already killed two people and you know she is getting up and moving at you, yeah, finish her. why don't you turn around and finish her and leave no witnesses and get out of there? Yeah. Right. You've already gone the distance with two people. Mm-hmm. What's a third? 
Right. And those two people are kids. I mean, come on. Right. You know what I mean? And you like, didn't take anything, so you're not there to burgle the place. Nope. Yeah. Beyond a reasonable doubt, she is guilty as the day is long. Word. I agree. It's good when we concur. It's it's entertaining when we disagree, but it's oh, it'll it's come. Good it'll come. Oh, yeah, it'll happen. It'll happen. <laughs> oh goodness gracious! Well, uh, Cheryl, you sure did uh, open things up right here with the four part episode of Darley Routier. Uh, I think that'll about wrap things up for this. Um, so I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I hope you don't expect this level of thorough investigation on. The cases yeah. that Ray and I present because yeah, it ain't going to happen. We're going to let you down. Yeah, we're going to let you down hard. Um, but if you have any suggestions for cases that you think are pretty dope and you'd like to us to look into and holler at. I haven't picked my next one yet. That's right. Cheryl's got something else. So if you send her on a deep dive, let's let's do it. Um, but that email is no true bill podcast at gmail.com. Hit us up there. Uh, and, you know, we'll see you next time, folks. But until then. Y'all stay out of trouble. Um, he comes over and he's sitting and there's this abuse and neglect case that's called. And it was crazy. There were all the, none of the attorneys seemed to know what was happening. All their clients were clearly a mess. And I was like, what is happening? And he leans over and goes, this right here, he's a clusterfuck. <laughs> and that was the first time I'd ever heard anyone use the word clusterfuck. Cluster.